May I help you? Yes. Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? I beg your pardon? It's a beautiful day, and we're out killing drug dealers. Are there any in the house? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And today we're doing a film called Last Action Hero, 1993 blockbuster uh, starring none other than the the great Arnold Schwarzenegger and some kid. (laughs) I have no idea what that kid's name is. Uh, Yeah. It was um, it was quite the blockbuster in theory. So much like this had everything going for it. We'll get into this. Has got a real juicy, juicy, juicy backstory. Yeah, which which we'll get pretty deep on. But yeah. it's also a, a new year for us, nineteen ninety three. Oh my goodness! I found there was quite a few emo esque. You know, the big hitters from this year were uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, <laughs> so emo. Demolition Man, Cliffhanger. Yeah. No, there's like The Piano, Schindler's List. Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, there's two. Mrs. Doubtfire is pretty feely. Yeah, it's not It's not like Schindler's List or The Piano, though. That's true. Well, Schindler's List is – oh, yeah, it was. I retract my note. Yeah, Schindler's List was number four. I'll, I'll, do, I'll go through the top ten real quick because it's the uh, first year. Mm. First 1993 for us. Uh, number one was Jurassic Park. Number two, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, number three, The Fugitive. Number four, Shinless List. Number five, The Firm. Number six, Indecent Proposal. Mm. Number seven, Cliffhanger. Wow. Cliffhanger, that, that surprises me. It was big in my heart. Mm. I didn't realise it was a top ten box office number. Sleepless in Seattle, number eight. Philadelphia, number nine. And ah, Philadelphia. Yeah, Sorry, that's yeah, pretty yeah, feels. Yeah. yeah. And The Pelican Brief, number ten, which I... I think I thought The Firm and The Pelican Brief were the same movie because they were both those boring movies that were always on TV that I never wanted to watch and I never saw. You don't like John Grisham? John Grisham. <laughs> not, a, not a big Grisham man. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Greg's wearing glasses Not even today, The so Client with Susan Sarandon <laughs> and that young kid who was a really good actor but then died. Brad Renfro. Brad Renfro. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were talking about sleep, sleepers. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that was him. Yeah. yeah. He's a good kid, poor guy. Yeah, he was real good. But you know what came in at number 15? Um, this. Last Action Hero. And I've learned it's not the last action hero. It's last action hero. Oh, Sorry, I yep. just got to add my own spiritual opus, mm. aka my biopic. Oh fall, yeah, falling down. Oh yeah, was that this year? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna do that soon. Multiple people <laughs> yeah. have suggested to me that that would be my own story. I don't know if it'll be like us Matt covering Scott that will like be Matty. cathartic for you, or if it will, if it will awaken a demon. <laughs> we gonna, There's only one way to find out. <laughs> Uh, was this a big movie for you? I think it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was an Arnie movie. It was off the back of T2. Well, we were at the right age for this right to age. be a conscious thing. Yeah, exactly. And there's a kid in it who was effectively our age. Yeah. So yeah. Like a sidekick to Arnie. True. Bags. Probably still our age. Yeah. I think I watched it. 
I don't know if I did you watch it at cinema? I don't think I watched it at cinema, but I feel like I watched it pretty close to. I think I watched it like at the time ish. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because then it disappeared from public consciousness <laughs> pretty soon after. Yeah, I think I watched it about I don't know a decade or so ago, and I was pumped to rewatch it. And then I was like, huh. Well, that's how I felt about this. That's yeah, I, I know. So I, this is my doing. I I didn't want to burst your bubble. Yeah, I really pushed for this because it, po- it popped up the other week. We're talking about the Amadeus reference in it and like maybe this movie is really smart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, mm. get, we'll get to that. Um, but so what I remember vividly from this movie was uh, the scene where Tywin Lannister shoots the guy in the car park in the real world and yep. I, that really like fucked with me as a kid. Because he's like, I just shot someone. Doesn't anybody care? And I was like, fuck. And because that was supposed to be real world New York, I was like, well, New York's fucked. New York was pretty fucked in 93, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess so. But that just really like is tattooed in my memory. Um, yeah. I also thought it was mostly about Arnold coming out of the movie, not so much the kid going in. thought you were just going to end it there. Coming out. Yeah, it's his coming out movie. He does have quite the belt buckle in this movie. Yeah, and yeah. snakeskin boots. <clears throat> that was his his um, outfit. He was like pushing for the boots. Great. He has his boot collection. Have you seen those? I have heard of it. It's pretty impressive. Uh, he's also wearing almost a Bruce jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost the Bruce, but it's got a collar. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, it'd be better if it was a bomber Funny jacket. you say that because, well, we'll get into the backstory, but it was initially meant to be more of a Bruce Willis type of who the action hero was. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get more into that. I also remembered the axe guy from this like yep. pretty vividly. I found him really fucking creepy. Yeah. And I still found him really off-putting. I can't put my finger on what it is. Unattractive? It's unattractive, but there's a lot of ugly people out there. He's particularly so. Um, mm. I did, And as we mentioned, I did remember, of course, the Amadeus reference. He killed Mozart, yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, that was which, good. Which is, in hindsight, pretty crazy that I knew that at the time. I didn't like, know it at the time. It must have been pure just by chance that I happened to be that, what, nine-year-old kid that saw Amadeus yeah, I did, I don't <laughs> and got I that reference. Sore. And that's a big thing with this movie. Like, who the fuck is it for? Because if it's a kid's movie, who's getting that Amadeus reference? Like, who's – it's weird. It's all mm. over the joint. Do you reckon they hide him J- – what's his name? H.J.H. Abrams or whatever. Do you reckon they hide him so they can make that joke or do you reckon they just made that joke because he was in the cast? That's a good question. There's so many rewrites in this. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, and maybe they had a that construct of an idea, and then whoever they cast there would just find a, a bad guy for the movie. Because yeah. also he didn't have much to do in the movie either. He's in except a, for that handful of scenes. Yeah. yeah, he ends up being a bad guy. But yeah, spoiler. Mm. Something else in 1993 that that piqued my interest, which is not specifically 1993, but it's definitely of the era, and it's definitely the aesthetic of this. I wouldn't quite call this a lap pack movie, but it's definitely like on the periphery of being lap pack in that it's Arnold and it's taking the piss out of a lot of. It's on the periphery of many things. Yeah, yeah. Choose a periphery, you fucking <laughs> shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> but Brutal. this was this was peak Planet Hollywood vibes. Ah, you can't, can't you nice. just picture Bruce Willis and Stallone and and Arnie wearing their weird leather jackets with. You know, like absolutely because the way I came across that is I was looking for Arnie interviews relating to this movie, and so I'm searching 1993 um, Arnie interviews, and it's all promoting the launch of Planet Hollywood in London, oh. and it's juicy, man. It's pretty great. 
Planet Hollywood, London's most hyped new restaurant, is opening tonight by holding one of the most expensive parties this country has ever seen, with 150 British celebrities, over 30 top American stars imported especially for the occasion, and live music supplied by Bruce Willis. Planet Hollywood is a success really because it's pure escapism. It's eating wonderful food around extraordinary surroundings. It's like being in a museum, but a lighthearted one, and I, and I recommend it for everyone. Originally, when we started out with the Planet Hollywood concept, uh, we didn't really know that we had such a great winning formula together. You never know when you start any business. And it's a, it's a, it became a, a monster business. So we decided to open up in other places. And uh, then those places became us successful. Uh, and now we are doing it overseas for the first time, like in London. I think that the future will be in Paris, in Tokyo, Moscow, um, Egypt somewhere. I mean, yeah, um, Egypt somewhere. <laughs> um, did you? So Planet Hollywood opened in Australia, in Sydney. In 96. Yeah. So I guess it was my 12th birthday that year and that was a big fucking deal. Did you do it too? I did it too. We grew up in the same fucking household, man. It's bizarre. This, so this was with my dad though and he, it was my birthday and we were going out somewhere. There was a surprise and then once I realised what it was, I was freaking out, man. And yeah. it was a big fucking deal, especially I reckon, particularly not living in the US, I reckon growing up in Australia, any acknowledgement in Hollywood that Australia exists, you're like, yeah. yeah. So this was a big deal. As we were. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And like I think they had Arnie's outfit from Terminator 2 in there. Like I think that was one of the big ones they had on a dummy, on the Arnie dummy. And did you go there for your birthday too? I think I got to bring I went with the family and I think I got to bring one friend. I think Nemanja came. I remember I didn't see any celebrities and I was kind of assuming that I think yeah, I think I just thought that it would be – should have known better by 96. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, 92. <laughs> oh, but uh, that was – I also remember from that night uh, being pretty disappointed <laughs> in, in the food and, and stuff. Yeah, I, I had like a burger and a brownie yeah, or something. I ordered a cheeseburger and it was just bread and a meat patty and a slice of cheese and it was really not good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. But I was so wanting to like it that yeah. I was – and no, this is great. This is the best burger yeah. ever. Like, yeah. yeah. Now, I didn't, you know, when you're young, you don't realize when someone's drunk, you're just like, oh, that guy's oh, yeah. having a good time. I remember <laughs> getting the toilets and they had like, um, oh, because it was all fucked up. They had all the colognes in there as well. But also, wasn't it all like weird angles and shit? I can't remember. I just remember they had like, you now you go like in London and probably in other larger cities, like a lot of the bathrooms have like a bathroom attendant, oh, yeah. colognes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just remember there was this guy in the gang. You got any of that Pierre Cardigan stuff? <laughs> and he was after some Pierre Cardigan cologne. You raise an interesting point, Greg, because Planet Hollywood Sydney kind of aged with us, wouldn't you say? Because it eventually evolved from being Planet Hollywood because that eventually failed, as we all know. Maybe we should do a little episode on Planet Hollywood one day. But um, it became in Sydney a place called Star Bar, which is the place as an 18-year-old man that can't get in anywhere else you go and try and pick up cheeks, and uh, we had many a night in Star Bar. The only time, yeah, the only times I went there, I was drunk enough to think it was a good idea to go there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so just to wrap up my personal background with this movie, I think the the part that stuck with me, the part that is forever like the reference point in my head of Last Action Hero, 
is uh, this classic line from a little television program called The Simpsons. Hey, McBain, I'm a big fan, but your last movie really sucked. I know. There were script problems from day one. Yeah, I'll say. Magic ticket my ass, McBain. Maria, my mighty heart is breaking. I'll be in the Humvee. (laughs) More accurate than I initially gave it credit for. That's not a bad segue into the background of this movie getting made. Yeah. Script problems from day one. Because that's the... I liked this movie as a kid and I was yeah. I was just too young. Like 10-year-old me wouldn't have picked up all the flaws in this movie. Yeah. Because yeah. I just would have seen the big shiny stuff and thought it was great. Yeah. Why don't you talk us through how this project came to be? So. What's it a tale of? It's a tale of two young writers named Zach Penn and Adam Leff. Penn and Leff. They had this idea. These are, these are up and come. They weren't like big deals yet. I don't think they even have an, had an agent. Um, they had this idea of what they if didn't they- didn't have an Asian? An Asian, yeah. Or an agent. Ah, or yeah. an Asian agent. No, or an Asian agent. Like, so they, they were completely out in the cold. They're starting from a, a, the beginning. Beginning. It's a good um, place to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had this idea, this germ of an idea. What if we sent a kid into an action movie? Wow. You could subvert all the tropes because these these were kids like us. And actually, since talking about the Planet Hollywood things, we were basically this kid too. We were obsessed with these movies. What if a kid like us, air quotes us, got put into an action movie and could subvert all the tropes, knowing you know how it all worked, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they wrote up a script, and they had a lot of fun doing so. We used it as an excuse to watch every action movie that we loved over and over again, and we had these charts of. You know, when does the second most evil bad guy get killed? Uh, who? Is, what's the MacGuffin? You know, when does it become personal? You know, we just kind of filled out all this information and watched a ton of action movies. And the actual writing the script, and it was you know three or four months, I guess. Um, but then we knew a lot of people who were assistants. So once we had the script finished and we had given it to people and they said, this is actually pretty good, we called all of our assistant friends and said, look, we're going to send the script out to agents tomorrow. Can you go talk to your boss? And can you go talk to your boss? So we basically agented the agents a little Mm -hmm. bit, and that kind of created this false frenzy. Uh, a knowing nod from Greg as we were listening to that where an excuse to watch uh, the action movies of our youth, that's kind of what this podcast is, so respect. But um, the original script for this was quite different, dare I say, potentially a lot smarter, a lot sharper in the, on the satirical front. A bit and, more uh, focused. Yeah, yeah, a bit more focused and dare I say darker, mm. grittier, all that kind of shit. Which is often a shorter, theme. shorter, yeah. Fuck, man, long movie. The um, I feel like there's so many movies we do on this podcast where the original script was so much darker, mm. um, but this one really could have benefited you, from that. You, yeah, that's true. But you just got to lighten it up for Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. So that's kind of kind of what happened. So this script was hot, baby. It was hot. It was topical. So there was a lot of backlash against the violence in films, and this was really a response to that, especially in its original form. It was called extremely violent, and sort of the moral of the story was violence is not the solution to everything mm. and it aligned with Arnie wanting to soften his image a little bit so it worked on that front too after um, the Terminator I need to, to come back a bit I need to <laughs> be lighter be funnier show off my comedies yeah exactly there you're getting it yeah this is what Hollywood thought um, then it all turned to shit so they sold this script for a big pile of money do you know what, do you know what that figure was 
it was initially 350K and then once um, Arnie signed, there was like some clause in there that if Arnie signed on, it would be 500K. So these these 20-somethings had just basically won the lottery. Like, fuck yeah. The issue was they sold it and then they just lost all control over this thing and everyone else had their little fucking say and, you know, kind of fucked the whole thing up. And this is kind of the sequence of events in terms of the fucking up of this movie. So the fucking So Zach and Adam, the guys I just mentioned, they ended up getting story credits. It's, it changed that much that they weren't even credited as screenplay anymore. They're just in there as story. Because this was sort of a piss take on a lot of Hollywood tropes and the kind of shit Hollywood churns out, even though it was a loving parody, like they love this shit, but they're still poking fun at it, Hollywood wanted to water that down a little bit and make it a bit less cynical about uh, what they do. Yeah, you don't make fun of me. <laughs> exactly. And so the the grand irony of this whole thing is the people that got put in creative control of this movie were the very people they were trying to parody. So they got Shane Black on to rewrite, who is the writer of uh, Lethal Weapon, <laughs> the, it kind of the exact movie they're kind of making yeah. fun of. And they got the director of Die Hard, Die Hard yeah. Predator, and a few others. So th- they're literally now in the creative control of the people they're trying to parody. My God. <laughs> Good God, man. Which is interesting. I didn't necessarily, I don't think that's necessarily terrible. And these guys admit they're fans of these guys and they weren't totally upset that these people were taking over, but they say they'd always imagined it as a Robert Zemeckis type, you know, Back to the Future, that kind of vibe, which would yeah. make sense. They, they always said it would make more sense for an outsider looking in to kind of play around with all these tropes and make all that commentary and, and whatnot. The shitty part, though, is they love Shane Black. They like Shane Black movies, so, okay, he's on board. That's kind of cool. It's not what we thought, but that's kind of cool. And initially Shane's like, yeah, you'll stay involved and we can rewrite this thing together. And then it just slowly deteriorated from there. So Zach talks about it. He says, hey, Shane, just calling again. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so for a couple of weeks, Shane let us be involved, uh, but then he started to really resent us even asking questions. The irony is that we'd gone to the... MPAA library and read all of Shane's scripts. We were big fans of his. He was the Elmore Leonard of action movies. So it was this surreal moment of we're parodying this guy and he's now rewriting us, kind of like I said. Shane Black talks about it. He says, I should have just said, Zach, I apologize, but now that I'm on the project, you're not going to like what I'm going to do. So maybe we should just not talk about it (laughs) because it's going to be upsetting for both of us. Like he said this in hindsight because he did try and involve him at first and then he just found it really awkward fucking with this guy's shit. The, the irony of the irony is that even that then got rewritten. Princess Leia? Someone, well, she was involved too. So um, Carrie Fisher was one layer of rewrites as well. But I think one she, layer, one princess layer. <laughs> oh, that's pretty smart. I didn't even know I did uh, that. Um, she, I think she's the type of little script doctor that comes in to sharpen dialogue and that kind of thing because she's pretty witty. She and I think she was also sort of the token go-to female voice little bit in those days but she did sprinkle some magic on this so i assume all the good bits are probably hers <laughs> and the rest i don't know but he also brought in um uh, he brought another writer called uh david arnett who was sort of new but a guy he thought was really funny anyway they rewrote a full script presented it back to to zach and adam and they were like this is dog shit this is super awkward blah 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 but they couldn't say anything shane black stands by his script says this is way better than the shit they wrote like it's so it's fucking Hardcore, man. Like it's so mm. – it's messy. I didn't even know the names of the next batch of rewriters, but that got rewritten. Part of that was due to, to casting Arnie. So Arnie gets on board. He's like, I like this movie. This reminds me of being back in Austria and wanting to be a, a John Wayne riding the horse in the Western. 
So he's like the idea of a kid, you know, projecting his life onto a movie. It's like, this is great. Um, however, I'm going to hire another rewriter to rewrite this just to, you know, soften some of the edges and whatnot. And, and he's allowed to do that? Yeah, I guess because so this is the point is that peak Arnie. So I think there's a quote for it around there. It's like, we could, we could film Arnie taking a shit and people would watch it. So that was kind of the, the philosophy. I reckon his face would look like, <laughs> like um, Total Recall <laughs> if, it was, if it was a big one. Two weeks, that one. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's the thing. So they're like, we got Arnie. This is the main thing. And they were terrified of Arnie leaving. So they're like, rewrite whatever the fuck you want. And so initially the kid was meant to be more of an angsty teenager going into the movie and resolving all his issues through violence and the moral of the story is violence and solve everything. That got rewritten to a kid who's just cute and it's like, yeah, I'm in a movie, yeah, and it kind of cut out all the part that was sort of meaningful. And I think that was kind of the final rewrite. Um, John McTiernan is, is the director, also as producer. Like I said, yeah, Die Hard, Predator, Hunt for Red October, uh, okay, so this, all of this process, everyone's, this is a hype machine, right? And so there, it becomes one of those ones where this is going to be the biggest movie of the summer. All right, you've got this release date, they'll make that happen. And the shooting schedule was fucking hardcore and then the editing schedule was fucking hardcore, which explains why it ran fucking an hour too long. So the final product was pretty, ich. they even did a preview screening with test audiences when it wasn't even finished and it really tanked. And so Buzz was getting out that this ain't what, uh, what we thought it was going to be. And it was a bit of a stinker. Yeah, so it got to the point where everyone involved in this was rapidly losing confidence, um, except for one man. This film will be remembered that uh, you can do action, adventure, uh, and dramatic scenes like that with chase scenes and blow-ups and, and special effects without really making it hard R-rated and making it PG-13 so the kids can also go and see it, the whole family can go and see it. You don't need the explicit violence uh, in order to, to tell a story and to make a great movie. Is that what people will remember of this film? <laughs> Just that it was a movie. <laughs> All the, why maybe you shouldn't try and do so many things in one movie. Yeah. Golden tick of my ass, McBain. Uh, all right, should we play the trailer? A great classic comes to the screen. See thy hand, fair prince. Who said I'm fair? To be or not to be? Not to be. Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero, Jack Slater. Slater! Don't even think Slater, you hear me? This is the lieutenant governor. Slater, here's what I... The governor gets here, call me. But tonight, a magic ticket is a passport to another world. We'll get Danny closer to the action than anyone ever dreamed. Who the hell are you? And you're going with him to a world that's bigger than life. This ticket is magic and it really works. And better than real. You really believe that you're inside a movie, don't you? Yes! The bad guys are in there. I've seen it on screen. This summer, it's head-on thrills. I have killed people smarter and younger than you. Head-first excitement. I hate when it happens. 
He's got the ticket. Now I possess power, real power. He's gone over to my world. In this world, the bad guys can win. The door must still be open. Come on. It hurts. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. Wow! This hero stuff has its limits. And Jack Slater is... Everybody down! Now! The last action hero. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do? Good trailer. Bit long. I've probably cut it down, so maybe it wasn't that long for listeners out there. But how did you like the rewatch, Greg? Uh, <laughs> it had moments. It was a collection of various moments to the tune yeah. of two and a half hours. It was a collection of things. Um, <laughs> yeah, mate, it was. <laughs> the f- a collection say, of things is yeah, pretty. Because I'd like to say <laughs> that the first hour was good and then it got, but it, it, it was scattered with slowness. Yeah, like it wasn't and scattered with goodness. Yeah, yeah. Some absolutely. even very specific scenes were great, like the scene at his wife's house where the baddies come and like all that. That whole scene was great, and his daughter was fighting. Like that was like I feel like maybe that was traces of the original script or something. Mm. There's a few moments like that where you're like, oh yeah, this is the movie I signed up for. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like it took. Speaking of this pace, it took 26 or so minutes just for the kid to be in the movie world. Like it didn't. You know, surely they could have done the setup before him to get in the movie a little bit more effectively. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a bit of um, leftovers from various script revisions that made sense more in different versions of the script. Like, I think there's probably yeah, more going on in the real world that warranted that initially. Yeah, I'll get into that a bit later. But um, it's fun. Then it slows right down. Then it's fun again. Then it slows right down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I was I pushed to do this movie because it came up a couple of times in conversation and on the potty and we were like, oh, this maybe this is like really good and we just weren't ready for it yet or it's ahead of its time. And unfortunately it's not. Maybe that original <laughs> script was. It's out there, I think. I haven't read it. But it, maybe it was. This ain't it. It's fucking long, so long. How long is it? 220 maybe, I think it was 220. Fuck, unnecessary. That's so long. And it sounds like part of it was they were in such a time crunch, so like editing – was just like, yeah, all right, there's all this stuff. There's a collection of stuff in saying that. Big highlight of this movie for me was Tywin Lannister, Charles Dance. How good was he? We're on the same page. He was great. He was So Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones is the pretty much the main bad guy in this movie. He had like tribal tats, but he had this great, just great look. He had white suit, tribal tats just peeking out of the – of the collar out of the sleeve and his hand yeah. and neck. Um, ginger, and the, ginger beard. Ginger beard and the most perfect pair of wayfarers I've ever seen. They were just perfectly shaped and it had the perfect tilt. Mm. It was a very classy look, a uh, very classy look. And he had a glass eye, which he was a bit a of fun. Eye. Sometimes and he was a sharp exploded. shooter and he was a sharp talker. He was just great. Did you know, um, so Alan Rickman was meant to be that guy. That would work, that would work, but... Uh, yeah, well, he wouldn't look as cool. Well, this is the thing. So Alan Rickman was meant to be – they wanted an Alan – which in an Alan Rickman which you type. think back, it, it yeah, is an Alan yeah, Rickman okay. type and obviously the diehard connection. So, and that Alan Do you Rickman, have an Alan Rickman in you? Probably. Probably. <laughs> <clears throat> nice suit. Harry. Don Phillips, I have two myself. Harry Potter. <laughs> Where are the detonators? <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I don't really – 
No, neither do I. Moving on then. Um, so, yeah, they wanted Alan. He didn't want to do it. And then this guy became the guy. And apparently, like, he was, he made jokes of it on set. Like, he rocked up on a t- with a t shirt one day that said, cheaper than Alan Rickman <laughs> or something like that. What a legend. But I agree. This film's lucky to have him. He's a great villain in this. He's perfect. He's perfect. He's the best part, like, yeah. by a mile. And he plays it so straight. Ah, uh, it's just it's just nice, and just as a bad guy, like yeah. he's got some cred. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure there's a few Game of Thrones listeners amongst us. Um, he's Tywin Lannister, yeah, head of the Lannister family. Mm-hmm. He was a cracking villain in that. Yeah, uh, he's also cousin Numpty Numsi. And what? Golden Child. Uh, uh, oh uh, shit! Uh, I want the knife. It's <laughs> cousin Numsi. He's like the demon man. Really? Yeah. So he's got some serious villain chops. Yeah. To carry Tagawa of Rangers. Somewhat. <laughs> Somewhat. We're proud of him. We're, yeah, pr- we're proud of him. His name's pretty bad too. Yeah, representing oh, redheads. It's like I want to show dance. that redheads have balls. Harry Ginger Balls. <laughs> if I have to, <laughs> sorry. This is very specific reference to Kerry Tagawa's quote about representing Asians in cinema. So uh, if you're not getting it, sorry. <laughs> Did you know that apparently redheads' pubes don't go grey? <laughs> <laughs> we could do a podcast on that. <laughs> so Carol's got that to look forward to. <laughs> but your beard's going a bit grey. Yeah, that's Are good they point. not pubes? Huh? Are they pubes? Do they count as pubes? My face. <laughs> Do I have pubes on my face? Well, is it pubes because you get them around puberty or is it pubes because it's in your pubic region? I th- I don't, I've never – have you ever said to someone's beard, oh, you're growing your pubes? <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but they have a similar consistency. You know the, you know the guy is about this tall, pubes. <laughs> Pubestache. <laughs> a pubestache. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's a good oh. point. But, yeah, but you, you, get, you get herpes on your mouth. True, <laughs> true. I'm, well, I'm, I'm just – there's some parallels. That's all I'm there saying. There are, there are. Um, all right, so for those at home who have not seen this or not seen it in a while, Greg, you want to give us a little rundown of what this fucking thing is yeah, about? Yeah, we've got this loser kid <laughs> and he likes going to the movies by himself when there's a creepy old man there and it's just the two of them. That guy was originally the bad guy. Did I mention that? No. In one of the re- – there's too many rewrites as so I didn't go through it all. But he was initially supposed to be the bad guy and he was basically the devil incarnate. Is that the right phrase? He was the devil. and um, like He was like Cousin Numsi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Oh, that was the other thing in the rewatch. Ian McKellen's in this. Anyway, move on. We'll Continue. come back to him. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got, he's got this relationship with an old man in an empty old cinema – in the crusty part of town. So he gives this little loser kid his magic ticket, not thinking it works. He got it years ago. He never used it. He was too scared. Wait, he got it from Houdini. Yeah. It's think, such a weird. Yeah. yeah it's, it's weird. Well, he's a magic guy, right? Yeah. 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 No, it's weird. He's an escape artist. Oh, escape from the movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, nah, it's terrible. Yeah. You're, don't, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's terrible. Anyway, the kid gets the ticket, watching the movie there, Jack Slater's new one, mm. which is obviously Arnie's character. So he goes in the movie and just injects himself into the storyline of the latest Jack Slater. Mm. And he 
some things happen. Yeah, lo- all kinds of things. Yeah, and then there's just a plethora of like uh, ref- fun. There's a lot of fun movie references peppered yeah. throughout. I think it's like 67 or something. Yeah. There's many. Oh, in actual in terms of like if you break them down, there's that many. Yeah, references. IMDb's got a list. Let's- well, that's I've got. A, I, I took a list. I copied a list of um, cameos that's similar to references. You want me to show I go through those? Yeah, read it. So there was for the keen observers out there, those fans of Pumping Iron and such. Good friend of the show and friend of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Franco Colombo. Annie's best friend. Annie's best friend. They come over for my together. BFFFFF. And um, they got a great backstory. They're they're very cute for two bodybuilders. He was named in the opening credits of the latest Jack Slater film, the Franco Colombo film. It said there was also Tina Turner in there. There was Sharon Stone in her in character from Basic Instinct. There was Robert Patrick, the T one thousand Terminator two, in there. Have you seen this boy? Um, there were interestingly all people that have co starred with Arnie, so he's pointing favors. Stallone as Terminator because in this universe Arnie doesn't exist because he's that character, which raises the question. Are all does that mean all movies are in the same universe? Because if Sharon Stone's in there in character from another movie, and T one thousands in there, wow, wow, raises the question: Is this a bit like Imagination Land? Remember Imagination Land? <laughs> Imagination, 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 imagination. So, like, Imagination Land in South Park is basically anything that you've imagined exists in Imagination Land. Movie world. It doesn't make any sense. Hollywood on the Gold Coast. <laughs> Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Is this Hollywood on the Gold Coast? That's what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> that's kind of our Imagination Land, Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Anyway, I think that's interesting and kind of breaks the premise of the movie. I think he's calling in favours, but again, you're diluting the point of the movie. Like, you, No, T-1000 isn't in this universe. Don't put him in there. Anyway, outside of the movie, in the real world, there were cameos by the real Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's actually the same guy, but, you know, you get it. Maria Shriver, Little Richard, Lisa Gibbons from E.T., Entertainment Tonight, James Belushi, Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans strategically wearing a blank man hat, promoting his um, semi-successful superhero film. I watched that as a kid. We should do blank man. It's pretty good. Sure. Uh, Chevy Chase, Timothy Dalton, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I would not miss this Hollywood, anything. <laughs> Pretty accurate. Uh-huh, and now in English. <laughs> huge, huge surprises. MC Hammer's in there. And, of course, Danny DeVito as Whiskers, the cartoon police detective. Which, again. Ian McClellan. Oh, and Ian McKellen. Yeah, was that a – was he famous then? Is that just a role? Yeah. Was he famous? Yeah. He was in England. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Hey, he was famous before the Wizard movies. The Wizard movies? Nah. Uh, that just on that, what, a lot of those cameos were done. Well, they're peppered throughout, but there's a scene in the real world when they're going to the uh, premiere of the movie of the Jack Slater movie, yeah, and all the celebrities on the red carpet getting interviewed by ET or whatever, yeah. And it's a mad little time capsule for 1993. Yeah, like yeah. Van Damme, they're all just in like Jim, Belu- much, Jim Belushi's like a Everyone from the movies we cover. Even, um, yeah, what's her name? The director of um, A League of Their Own. Um, 
Petty Marshall. That was probably, you know what it was? That was probably the opening of Planet Hollywood in London. <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> it was the same people, man. It was I, all the same. But a, that was kind of that I said that as a it. joke, but it may be honestly how they did that. Yeah, they wouldn't have got them all into one spot. Like that's, oh, yeah. but they do talk but about it. But they did at Planet Hollywood. Like yeah. all literally, if you watch that whole video I played before, they all were in that as well. I like the uh, lethal weapon. Two days to retirement. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's my... Uh, that scene's good. It's not my main gripe, but I think there's a few things. Okay, I'll list a few things that I really liked about it. Things like that. Things like his driving and how just unbeknownst to him, he's like either causing car accidents or like yeah. just crashing into things, but he doesn't really care. Yeah, he's like, just never do it in heavy traffic. <laughs> yeah, like it's pretty, that's pretty funny. He's, his police chief maybe goes a bit too far with the steam coming out of the ears, but it was fun. Ah, oh, and you know what I like? Um, when, he's, when the kid's trying to prove that they're not in the real world, he's like, every woman here is hot. And then they, they pan across the police station and there's this woman that's wearing just like a leather latex. Like bikini latex thing. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. And then the fact that they continue to pay those things off without calling them out was kind of cool. Yeah. But I think that's where I get a bit pissed off at the movie is that they just kept overtly calling them out. And so a movie that sets out to like subvert all the tropes is really just calling them out. So a lot of it is like, the kid just going, oh, yeah, that's that thing and that's that thing versus like letting us connect the dots and yeah, some of that he's shit. he's super annoying. Yeah. Just on him. Have you got anything on him? What I got to on him is just more the fact that he's, he's not even really a, a, a character. Like when you go through – why don't I go through what the original premise of the movie was? That okay. makes a ton more sense. This movie is almost great. Almost. It's too long and it's trying to do too many things. Mm. But it could be, if it was smarter, if it was tighter, it could be up there like in a – like imagine a, a Robert Zemeckis version of this movie. Just real. Remember we were talking about Back to the Future a couple of weeks ago, just how tight it was. Every seed planted, every seed pays off. Everything is just tight, 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 tight. Yeah. So imaginative, so just <clears> – as an example, good director. But also just in terms of plot and the premise and everything, if this was – this is almost if Philip K. Dickian. If it had Marty McFly in it. If it had Marty McFly in it. Also, <laughs> oh. this dances around a topic that I always find interesting, which is probably why I wanted to rewatch it. Because, you know, like Philip K. Dick, Total Recall, Total Recall, yeah. yeah, Blade Runner, this what does it mean to be real versus not real? You know, you're playing around with those kinds of things. This could be that kind of movie, like a, a movie star coming into the real world coming to grips with what it means to be actually human. Suggesting it could be a sci-fi? Yeah, kind of kind of a sci-fi or a sci-fi or like Westworld, which is also sci-fi, but basically in Westworld you're going into a, what is essentially a movie Western. Ah, like, to get your horn on. Well, yeah. Well, you can do that too if, if you so wish. But Isn't that the entire premise of Westfield? Westfield? Westworld? West, Westfield. <laughs> That's the Australian version. You, <laughs> you go to a shopping centre and you can do whatever you want. Short you about the good people at Westworld. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, Westworld is like you know plays with the idea of what does it mean to be human and uh, is you know is a someone that's built purely for entertainment. It's a technically not a real person, but is it? And you know, Blade Runner like is Deckard a replicant? Does it even matter? What does it mean? You know, you could kind of have these kinds of interesting things going on. That might be giving the premise too much credit, but that's interesting, right? You could you could play around with that. But more on what it literally was, because I almost bought into the feels of it, right? Because this kid, they don't really mention it, but this kid didn't have a dad. 
is obsessed with action movies. I can kind of see this this idea of action hero being father figure kind yeah, of thing happening. That, they were trying to do that. They were trying to do that. That was the main thing in the initial script. So he was a teenager. His dad had just died of cancer and he was became obsessed with these movies because these characters could never die. I'm going to latch on to this guy as a father figure because he will never leave me kind of thing. And so when you then get sucked into the movie with that idea, that's quite meaningful because he's now in a world where he can take out his anger on the world. So it was he was, you know, arming up with guns and killing people and being an action movie star basically as a teenager, as a ah. teenager, not as a kid, and taking out all his anger on this movie world to the point where the action star eventually tells him to go back out to the real world and face your emotions. That's what life is, yada, yada, yada. Stop which killing is, people in here. Yeah, out there, the real people, the feelings in the world. Yeah, listen of those to things. my advices. Uh, the way I explained it then, I was very top line, quite cliche, I guess, but I, that done well, that could be pretty interesting. And the end of the movie would have been, so it would have been all taking place, most of the movie, in the world of the movie. And the, the finale is him visiting his father's grave with his mother and then I think the final, final, final shot is the Arnold character coming out of the movie, in which case a sequel could have maybe been more the sci-fi element of what if a fake person was in the real world? Yeah. Are they subject yada, to yada, the yada. laws of l- laws of <laughs> laws? <laughs> laws. <laughs> the laws of laws. But that could be interesting, right? It's more a – also just be 90 minutes I think is probably important Ooh, too. nice. But – I like the idea of a first movie being that goes to a fake world with fake humans to find out what it is to be human. What happens when a fake human comes into the real world? And so the first one could be more like family feels. The second one could be more like sci-fi. Who am I? Interesting. Who am I? What does it mean? All that kind of shit. I'm a computer. Um, So I think that is interesting. Oh, and actually Ian McKellen's character as death made a lot more sense in the original script by that premise apparently because – Death obviously came for his real dad. And so when Death shows up at the end trying to kill Arnie, he's like, oh, no, you're not taking yeah. this one from me too. Like that was like a big emotional payoff. Oh, they just left but it in. But they is left this, it in and it didn't make sense. Saying, the yeah. Left was, in parts. It yeah. didn't really make sense. So it's, it's super interesting because there are traces of it. And like we'll say, there's parts of it I still love that I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yes. And then the other parts, it's no. just like, no. Like, I would like to oh, see you, you edit know, it down to yeah, be a good movie. I don't know how to do that, but can someone oh, do that? I feel like you could. How about a little uh, detour to the tune similar to our DeLorean story from Back to the Future? Go. Tale of Intrigue, Despair, and Wiretapping. Ooh. Yeah, so the director of this movie, director John McTiernan, got busted, not for crimes against cinema, but for crimes against human beings. So, Oh, he's the guy behind Human Centipede. <laughs> no, but wiretapping, yes. <laughs> so he, he was making... Um, As opposed to ass to mouth stitching. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in the boring. year 2000, uh, he was making a movie called Rollerball. Yes. So he went on to great things. Rollerball. That was quite a – that was sci-fi, wasn't it? Wasn't that uh, a dystopia? But he got a private detective to illegally wiretap a man named Charles Roven, who was a producer of this movie. They had disagreed on, like, what kind of movie we were making here. They couldn't see it eye to eye. So he got a private detective to wiretap him. Yeah. 
and then got busted for illegal wiretapping. He pled guilty, but then like the prosecution was like, I feel like you're lying to us still, and I think there's more to this. Turned out he was also had his ex-wife wiretapped. Oh, he just got he just worked out. He, he's just been so he'd been hiring this private detective for all kinds of shit. And this private detective apparently gets hired by all kinds of people in Hollywood and he knows all kinds of secrets and he's now in jail or he's been in jail for 12 years or something. He, he pled guilty to the illegal wiretapping and then um, <laughs> tapping all the wires. And then he withdrew his plea, which opened him up to so he was facing um, something like three months in prison or something like that. And then he withdrew his plea. And then they're like, okay, sweet. So now we're going to charge you with all the other things we found out you were doing. <laughs> and so his charges got upgraded to two counts of um, lying to the FBI and one count of perjury. And he was uh, with a maximum sentence of five years in prison. And then all this other shit happened, which is not that Ooh. interesting. But he ended up serving 12 months in prison, in a federal prison, uh, which is pretty fucking crazy. And that private detective is in, still in jail for doing all kinds of shit like that all He's the like- time. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Do you know how crazy it is? What? Wow. Wow. Um, so he did the remake of Rollerball because it's a seventy. It's a 70s movie. Oh. And in the 1975 version was set in 2018 and it's basically Interesting. Dy- future dystopia. Oh. The corporations have replaced countries of violence. See, the corporations. <laughs> Without there being all, you know, ethics, corporate It's got um, Chris Klein and LL Cool J. Oh, yeah. It does have Chris Klein when he was, what was his song again? And LL Cool J. Scooby-Doo boop, yeah, rollerball. <laughs> hey, have you heard of a movie called Ready Player One? Yes. Yeah, did you watch that movie? No. The thing with that film is it is a film about a video game world and people interacting in a video game world in the future. It's all VR kind of shit. That film shares a writer with this film, Mr. Mr. Zach Penn, who was one of the original writers of this movie, yeah. was a writer on that movie. And he talks about how he finally got to pay off some of what he was trying to do with this in that. That movie's shit. Like it's not, it's not good, unfortunately. It's a Spielberg joint, but mm. it ain't very good. But there's this middle section, which is really cool, where they enter the movie The Shining. So oh. it's sort of like a mini version of this where it's like they know the plot of The Shining so they know where they need to find the clues and all this shit. So it's really cool and it's really well done. But, yeah, he talks about it as if, oh, I finally got to at least do a little bit of what I was trying to do with that movie in this movie. Oh, interesting. And he's actually gone on to do a heaps of pretty good shit. He, did, um, he wrote a few of the X-Men movies. He was a co-writer on the first Avengers movie with Joss Whedon. But even within Ready Player One, because again, it's a bit, it's a bit of a imagination land. Yeah. Um, in the world of of that VR game, in the world of New York City, it's like any pop culture reference to New York City is in that world. Yeah, they talk about it here. Him and his co-writer on Ready Player One, Mr. Ernest Klein. Bit of nostalgia porn. But it is based. That film is purely nostalgia, which we don't turn our nose up at necessarily because this is pretty nostalgic podcast. But um, they did cram a little uh, Last Action Hero reference in there, which is kind of cute. Cousin, our production designer was asking me uh, for ideas of things to sneak into the background of our uh, kind of oasis version of New York, which is kind of geographically impossible and crammed with little 
hidden things from lots of different movies. And so we were thinking about, oh, we could put the Ghostbusters firehouse. You see the Silver Cup sign from Highlander where they have the end battle in one point. And then, you know, uh, I was, you know, kind of thinking about movies that I love that were set in New York. And uh, and then I thought about Last Action Hero, Zach's movie. uh, uh, And, you know, when he comes out into the real world, it's out of this movie marquee. And yeah, and And I I said no. Yeah. To be fair, I was like, oh, please don't do that. (laughs) But. And I didn't I did not see it. I worked on this movie every day and I went to every review and I didn't catch it until the first screening (laughs) of the movie that I saw. And I was like, oh, crap, (laughs) he got it in there. And I have to admit, I was like. I got welled up a little bit. (laughs) And what I love about it is, you know, because we have this other theater marquee uh, of The Shining uh, Mm -hmm. that you go into. Uh, Now, when I see that in the race, I'm like, oh, if you were in the Oasis and you went into that, you would probably go into Zach's movie. And, you know, you go into Last Action. That would be mind-blowing. Right? It would be meta-meta. Meta squared. Cubed. Oh, you know what I liked? One little call-out of what the kid called out in the movie was just the telephone numbers – Five five five, yeah, that was cool. That was cool, and it was actually pretty smart on his part. So, uh, where the kid's trying to convince Arnold Schwarzenegger's character that he's in a movie, not in the real world, he and he goes up to a chick. He's like, "What's your number?" And she's like, five five five. And then he asks someone else, "What's your number?" Five five five. He's like, "There's over blah 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 people in Los Angeles. There can only be nine hundred ninety nine thousand people with the number starting five five five. So you're in a movie." And he says, "That's why we have area codes." Yeah, he does say that. But I thought that was pretty smart. And that's something as an Australian watching American movies, I always thought was interesting, the 555 thing. I I just thought thought that was an American number. Sometimes it was KL5, which is still 555. No, I don't know. Really? I think I noticed it on The Simpsons mainly. Yeah. So uh, there's some good lines in there. I think one of my favourites is the, dear, dear, the bad guys on dear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of yours. You've said that for some time. I say it most days. (laughs) Uh, and then I'm the famous comedian, Arnold Bunschweiger. <laughs> Arnie has a lot. It gave Arnie to have a license for a lot of funny Arnie-esque lines. Yeah, but I've got to say, and you know me, I, I'm an, I like Arnold. I'm an Arnold guy. You didn't, you felt, but his acting was a bit weak. Flat? Yeah, it wasn't very good. Man, he was having a come down off so many launches of the <laughs> this in between planet, planet Hollywood, Hollywood launches. launches. Yeah. I just learned, launched it in Egypt somewhere. <laughs> Egypt. Egypt or something, I don't somewhere know. Somewhere foreign. Like with any business, I close my eyes and I say this. <laughs> um, MVP? MVP, uh, Tywin Lannister. Man, by uh, a long shot. Uh, I have that too. Yeah. Low-key VP? Oh, yeah. Who's that? Who you got? Uh, I've written Tom Noonan or Ian McClellan. Who's Tom Noonan? Oh, Tom Noonan was the axe guy. You wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand my own notes. (laughs) I didn't mind the Ripper. Yeah. And uh, Ian McClellan was pretty good as death. Do you think it holds up? I think we're both saying probably this is a – well, I don't want to speak for you, Greg, but I believe this just wasn't good then and it ain't good now. It's not that it's – I think the parts that were good then are still good now. Look, if it went for an hour and a half, I'd say, yeah, just rewatch it. Yeah. But it goes for two hours and 20 minutes. It's a big investment. And they're pumping it out on Netflix in Australia like on a a – Title. It keeps showing up at the top. Yeah. Maybe it's the movies we watch. But. Maybe it's our algorithm, yeah. I think it's it's worth a rewatch if you're not not appointment, sit down, do nothing else and watch this, but flick it on and have a bit of a giggle. But there's a good 90-minute movie hiding in there somewhere. Yeah. If someone Sorry. edits that down, it's it could be pretty good. Any, re- good bits. any recasties you want to share? 
Um, I don't really have. Ma- oh, uh, well, I was thinking because we we're talking about this a little bit earlier. So we we're thinking the way into recasts on this one was like, okay, well, if this was made today, I guess it would be making fun of action movies today. And so I kind of like the idea of a John Wick type Keanu being the Arnie. Um, otherwise, it's a choice of four bald men. <laughs> the Rock, Jason Statham. Um, what's that other guy? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold, I guess. Oh, and um, Vin Diesel. And Vin Diesel could be fun actually because he may not even have the self awareness. Yeah, to know so that that's another level. You of could meta. do this with Vin Diesel. Not and tell even him knowing. he was in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he wouldn't. Know. He would never know. Yeah, it's about family. Like that's it, genius. Imagine putting it, <laughs> him in this movie and him not knowing yeah, the premise. He wouldn't know that the meta part of it. Yeah, that could work nicely. Or a Keanu thing because Keanu is such a thing right now. Him in Always Be My Maybe, like that kind of Keanu. Oh, yeah. That version of himself where he's a complete asshole. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. If I had to, Greg, if I had to reboot this, I would maybe make a sequel where it's Arnold from the movie, Jack Slater, now in the real world as an older guy coming to grips with understanding, you know, getting older. Getting and older. dealing with mortality in the real world. It could be interesting. Not going to happen. But if, if it had could to be Could be a depressing piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, I would want it to be real depressing. <laughs> Just dark. Maybe he gets AIDS in if, the real world. <laughs> maybe. Because Greg said that as a joke, but this is Did actually I? on point. He didn't say it as a joke. I took it as a joke. But think about didn't it. Didn't I? You're an invincible guy from a, a movie in the early 90s where you're invincible and, you, you and you're famous, so you're fucking everything. Yeah, well, then you go into the real world where you're not just Jack Slater, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you can get with all these women. You've with never a, heard of contraception. You've never heard of AIDS because you're from movies. And then you live with HIV. I think that's basically the story of Charlie Sheen. Bam, bam, bam. Is he HIV? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that a good note to end on? Yeah. <laughs> What are we doing next week? Uh, next week, I believe we got a few things in the pipeline. Yeah, we, we got are, some pipelines. I think we're going to do cliffhanger soon. I think we're going to do some scary movies soon. Not scary movie, but Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Freddy! Soon, Freddy! 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 What I'm pretty sure that's. Freddy uh, gives me chills. You. It does give me chills. Wonder if that's still scary. It is. Children singing is usually yeah. pretty scary. That's why I can't have kids. Yeah. Because they're going to be standing in the hallway in the dark one night and I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> Do you know what? I never thought of that until you said it. And, and now, now Bruce stands in the hallway. Hey, Daddy. Oh, my God. I came, I came up the stairs one I've night been waiting for and you, I Daddy. put him to bed. And he got out. This is when he started getting out of bed. And he didn't come down the stairs. And he just went and sat on this sort of landing bit we've got upstairs. And I got up and I just got to the top of the stairs and he was just sitting there looking at me. He's like eyes like a cat in the night. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. I'll just close the and door. I was like, nope. <laughs> I just walked out of the house. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right, let's so wrap that's it the up. show. Wrap it up. Wrap hey, it up. hit us up on Instagram. Say hello. Give us a like. Give us a message. Uh, be sure if, if you're a listener and you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps other people find us. Yeah, anyway, let's sing it out. Anyway, that's the show. Ah, bah, 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 bah.